Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest today, the wonderful Himesh Patel. Uh, we, by pure coincidence, my wife and I, sharing way too much, been on for 10 seconds, sharing my life story. Uh, yesterday had come on to Sky Cinema. Sounds like a plug for Sky, it's not. Uh, and so we watched yesterday. What, what a remarkable, uh, what a remarkable performance by, by Himesh. And then this, this, uh, chance to chat with him. Landed on the lap, so uh, couldn't quite believe my luck. He is the one of the stars um, of the, this this hugely anticipated uh, series adaptation of the uh, the Man Booker Prize winning novel by uh, Eleanor Catton. It's the the Luminaries. Uh, Ewan Leslie's also in it. Uh, Eve Hewson, Eva Green. Uh, it's a period piece. They filmed it in New Zealand. This this promises to be uh, a, an epic in every sense of the word. So we talk about the luminaries. We talk about yesterday. We talk about the fact that Timesh did the hard yards uh, on EastEnders for a good number of years and how he uh, grew up, uh, grew, grew with that show and how that show then proved a, a springboard to other things. As regular listeners will know, I have such a, a huge, one of my many catchphrases or things that I say a lot anyway, uh, is, is, uh, is what a soft spot I have for people who did the hard yards on a, on a soap or a, a long running show before they then catch that, that big break. Uh, Chris Hemsworth was, was one who was a, a balanced cover star. Regina King was another and, uh, and Himesh obviously on one of the biggest, soaps in the world working incredibly hard like soap actors do just day in day out really long hours learning and honing the craft and then and then from there i mean his career i mean my goodness uh avenue five a a big sci-fi comedy on sky atlantic another sky uh, another sky plug remarkable uh that was also an hbo show uh so yeah, I mean, I, I find I always find it really inspiring when someone's done a done a soap like that. They've 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 uh, Guy Pierce was another one, wasn't he? It was on Neighbours. Um, 
and so yeah, it was it was really it was really insightful to to chat with Himesh about life on EastEnders, and then I mean now he's he, the guy's just got the world by the tail. So uh, what a, what a really what a thoroughly lovely bloke it was. It was really lovely to chat with him. We did this one a couple of weeks ago, uh, so we we chat about. I bet we did this probably two or three weeks ago because we talk about football potentially coming back, and obviously now that has that has all been uh, fully firmed up. It seems so. Anyway, huge thanks to Himesh. I I just thought he was such a lovely, uh, such a lovely sweet guy. So uh, here he is, the wonderful, uh, the incredibly talented. Oh, by the way, if you've not seen yesterday, uh, talk about a star making turn. Goodness me, uh, it's on Sky. I can't stop with the Sky plugs. I, I- <laughs> Sky, if you're listening, I, I'm, I'm, I am up for some paid-for work. Uh, but yesterday, definitely check it out. And then also the Luminaries uh, is coming to BBC. Definitely uh, check that out. Promises to be a, a very special show indeed. Here he is, the wonderful Himesh Patel. Himesh, how are you, mate? You all right? Good. How are you? Oh, mate, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll hold both hands in the air and apologise. My computer, uh, I thought it needed a reboot you know, like a restart. Yeah. So that's why I'm a couple of minutes late. And I, that's I, all right. I, I was good. so stressed that I thought it was never going to come back on again. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. Haven't we? Oh my God. Uh, how is it all with you? Yeah, good. Good. I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. Um, I'm, 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 I'm trying to find the positives in this scenario. Um, best I can. What, um, because I'm the, I, if I'm honest with you, I, I've tried the exact same approach. What positives have you, uh, have you managed to find? Well, it, for me, generally, it's actually the time, the time is quite a, um, a gift because I think for me lately, and, and luckily, I've been very busy working, so, um, I've kind of just, um, enjoyed the time to do things that I've not had time to do and see, well, not see people, I suppose, but catch up with people um, that I've not had time to catch up with. So that's been, that's been really great. Um, yeah. when, you, cause when you are super busy and I, I'm freelance, and I'm one of these people that I just say yes to <laughs> literally anything. And so this is the first time it's almost like the body's recalibrating and it's that, you know, I'm going to go for a, a mime here, so apologies to the listeners. But the body, the body just goes, boom. Yeah. It's, um, it's a return to probably how you and I should be feeling most of the time, I guess. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. It's um, it's a strange time, though, isn't it? It's really weird. I, I keep I keep having to remind myself how completely odd this is. Um. But I think I remind myself because in the context of in an almost hopeful way of kind of going, imagine when we're going to be looking back at this, how strange it's going to look, you know, Um, I guess in the hope that there will be a time, of course, there will be a time where we look back on this and, and try and explain it to people who, who weren't there, I suppose. Um, Yeah. I mean, this is, um, I'm, I'm on lockdown with my wife and two kids, and I, I say to them, like maybe no one in <laughs> no one in human history has spent this much time with family. Because <laughs> even back in <laughs> even back in caveman times, you know, people would have 
ventured from the cave. Whereas, I mean, I say to them, I, I, I've loved being with them 24-7. They, the feeling probably isn't mutual. But, <laughs> um, but it, it is, when you put it like that, it is such a, a unique thing that we're all going through, isn't it? It really is, yeah. It's um, and 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 so painful in a lot of ways as well that you know you don't get to see your family and and that's really hard. Um, and and obviously the the pain of the people who are suffering through the actual thing, which is heartbreaking when you hear about it. And and yeah, and the people who suffer because they put themselves on the front line to to try and help. Um, yeah, I think those they really are the heroes at the moment. I'm um, hoping we don't forget that. I really do. I, it's one of those things that you worry that people will then just snap back into normality. And I, I hope it's a it's a lesson for the fact that we. I feel like certain factions of society have maybe devalued key workers to a certain degree, and I hope that that never happens again. I I, I could not agree more. And when you when you when you do pause and, and think about it, you know these are people who would have, uh, you know, they, they would have landed a job, and never, in, never in a million years would they have thought that that job would have meant, you know. And I extend this to, you know, the the guys who work in my local mini Tesco. I, you know, I really mean this. They never thought that um, that their lives would would be at risk when they're taking these jobs on. I mean, it's it's to say it's above and beyond is is a, a gross understatement. Yeah. No, that's you're you're right. I guess they never imagined that they they would be the ones at risk at the same time as the people that they're looking after, and also yeah, people who I mean, my parents run a shop, and they're still running that shop at the moment, reduced hours, but they serve a lot of villages around where I grew up, so it's quite an important service that they provide. Um, so though me and my sister are very worried, yeah. Um, we also understand why they're continuing and we know that the the locals are really appreciative of it but of course they are even with protection and 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 protocol it's still a risk um but these are the people who are keeping the country moving and and keeping people um surviving um and i'll bet the uh we've certainly done it you know there's a street whatsapp group and we all look at the people in our shop in a whole new light in terms of not never taking them for granted again. But I bet yes, I bet there's something similar going on with your folks there. I bet the people in those surrounding areas will uh, hold them in a whole new level of uh, esteem. Well, I hope so. I think this is, I I guess that's what I mean. I really hope that we don't forget the, the people who really put themselves um, on, on the line, you know? Um, well, may I just say this, I mean, this is, it, what is unusual is that the lockdown has ended up being quite the Himish Patel love in, in, in our house. Um, so every episode of Avenue Five. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. We watched, we watched yesterday, literally the, the other day. And so I'll be honest with you, for the first couple of seconds, the little voice in my head was going, Oh my God. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen more of you in lockdown than I have my own parents. And I, I can say that uh, again, no exaggeration whatsoever. Um, now, Avenue, if, if, if I know we'll get to the luminaries, but with a show at Avenue 5, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's not watched it, because I would recommend it for lockdown viewing, can you say a bit about that? Because one, one of the great things about that show is uh, it takes, I'm always 
mindful of ruining things, but it does take a couple of twists that the viewer definitely will not be expecting. Yes. I think that was, I think it's one of those shows that really builds and it's, it's like the, um, the gradual escalation uh, to complete mania. Um, and it very much is, I mean, in a way it depends on your uh, outlook on lockdown, but it is very suitable lockdown viewing because it's people trapped <laughs> in a, in a, in a place for a period of time. Um, and for an increasingly, uh, longer period of time. <laughs> um, and so a lot of the stuff towards the end of the season is, seems almost prescient now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a it's a really great show. I was thrilled to be even a small part of it. Um, and it, yeah, it's meant to be coming back for a second season, but I don't know what's obviously that's all unknown now. So, so I chatted with uh, Daisy May Cooper about it, and yeah, she, she'd mentioned about the the fire. And the, yeah. thing with, the thing with Daisy May is she'll say something and you crack up, and I, I you know, even now. I know she's being serious, but she said it in such a way that was that was comical. But will they have to rebuild the set from scratch? I think so. Oh yeah, my I God. think it was um, it was a pretty. I mean, we didn't go back to that set after it happened, and I actually I was away for that for that bit because I, I was filming Avenue Five around doing press for yesterday. Sure. So I then took like two weeks off to go and do the press tour for yesterday. And I think that was the period of time in which that all happened. And I mean, it was devastating um, because that was the main playing space. So, but what was also incredible was then the way that Armando and his team, there was never any, not that I saw, obviously I'm sure they had behind the scenes, they were very frustrated and, upset but mm. they just kind of went okay let's just get on with it we're going to make sure that we make the best of it and they really did i mean and everyone came together to make the the show the best that it could be in those circumstances and and i think that it turned out to be fantastic um but it was really inspiring when you've got people at the top who just go we're gonna still have fun and we're gonna still make this a uh, great show but that was tough yeah also, there's there's something in that when the when the person at the top has that attitude, it it totally filters down, doesn't it? Always, and I think on a film set for sure, because they're the leader. You know, um, you, you need someone who's who's not getting constantly annoyed or constantly falling apart. You need someone who is clearly a leader and and galvanizes everyone to to do their best. Um, as, as someone who's been who's worked in comedy for more than a, a, a decade now, I, I mean, I, I'm still doing it. We still do the online gigs during this lockdown. So uh, I love comedy so much. I, I could, if I, you know, I, I could roll a tear in front of you. But as, a, as a comedy fan, please, could you? This is such a selfish question, but please, could you share what it was like to film those uh, comedy scenes? Because obviously, the way it's executed, and again, I won't spoil it. The way it's executed is magnificent but uh what was it like in reality to to film i mean it, it, so we'd, we'd have a script and and you know we'd get we'd get there on the day and, and i guess i'm talking about the big group scenes here but we'd get there and and we'd kind of offer up an idea of of based on what's on the page what it would look like 
and Armando's there. Armando wasn't, he, he directed the pilot. Yeah. But then he was just show running after that, but he was still there every day, every morning as if, you know, as, That's incredible. along with the director. Um, and, and as were most of his writing team. And, and so they'd watch what we did and then they'd offer up suggestions. People, there'd be certain members of the cast who would offer up suggestions because a lot of the actors who were on Avenue five, um, had previously worked with Armando on Veep, I think. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of them come from the, the great American improv tradition. Mm. So they're so quick and they've got a lot of great ideas. Um, and so they'd kind of take some of that. And then if it needed the time, then they'd just kind of go, well, you guys relax for a bit and we're going to go off and come up with some new pages based on what we've done and, and we'll get back. And then we eventually get some new pages and kind of take it from there. Um, but there's always room for collaboration. There's always room for improvisation, of course, as you'd imagine with Armando's work. Um, and it, and it's always fun. It's always, you just, you, someone's always going to throw something in. And the, the thing that I still struggle with is not laughing. You've got people who are, you've got people like Zach Woods who just come up with, with the most elaborate improvisations where you're just like, how you must've written this. I don't know how you've, just come up with this but they just come out with some of the funniest stuff and you have to just not laugh because if of course if if it's on you as well and you laugh then they can't use it sadly um so you really have to try and not laugh when they're coming out with some absolute gold um which they often do <laughs> but that, the thing is that that's even harsher on you because it's not it's not as if you know think of a show like curb enthusiasm and they and they improvise something on that and larry david can chuckle but because he's done it in character he can get you know i think of one episode richard lewis says something like you and i've got enough good stuff in the bank such a random ad lib and larry david laughs and they keep it in but you can you cannot do that because that goes against the grain of of your character doesn't it well yeah because he's often my character is i think clinically depressed so right. it's hard i mean he either has to laugh maniacally <laughs> which we <laughs> often do or he's just, you know, he's he's the butt of the joke. He's often the butt of the joke. Yeah. He's the world's worst stand-up comedian. So he um, he had to kind of, he wasn't laughing most of the time. So, um, yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't easy to, uh, to not do that there. I think any comedian or anyone who's tried comedy would watch those scenes and immediately think of that tricky corporate that they shouldn't have taken on or, you know. <laughs> That's yeah. what, I think it, it would have brought back a lot of PTSD for a lot of people, uh, I imagine. Um, in the, I must say, in the, all the people I've interviewed, um, I always have a soft spot for someone who did a long-running soap. Uh, mm. as a, as a, you know, I call it doing the hard yards. I don't think that as an insult on the soap, but it's, it's a, a place to learn the craft. So whether it's Chris Hemsworth doing Home and Away or Regina King had done a, a long-running show before, breakthrough and obviously you I guess earned your spurs on one of the biggest soaps on the planet I mean that must have I imagine that was the greatest training ground imaginable it was brilliant and also because of the support that I got from um, the production in terms of them quite immediately recognizing what my strengths were in terms of kind of dry humor and 
and sort of catering to that, but then also not pigeonholing the character, actually. They did a really good job of making sure that he also got to explore those other facets of what it is to be a human. So, you know, the more tender and dramatic sides of someone's life. Um, And I got to explore a lot of that on that show, which was great. And I got to work with some really fantastic actors. And I, I was lucky in that I was often... Um, paired up with actors who uh, who really cared about the work and would would come to work every day despite it being the 10th day in a row and the 50th scene yeah but they would come to it with the same enthusiasm and the same desire to make it the best that it could be and and so that's what made it such a great training ground was because I was constantly being uh, taught and just absorbing as much as I could I've heard. I know you're a Spurs fan. I've, I've heard. Uh, yeah. I've heard footballers say things like the, the the more they were training, the harder they were working. They could actually feel themselves getting better. They could feel them. You know, they could they could feel that burst of pace. They could feel that first touch. Was it was it like that? By the way, I talk in fluent uh, football. I, I relate everything back to football if I can. Was it like that? <laughs> was it like that with uh, with EastEnders? Could you feel yourself getting better at this this trade? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. I haven't really considered how it felt, but it, yeah, it, it did. And there were obviously, because it was during my formative years, I was there from 16 to 25. So I was doing a lot of growing up just naturally. So a lot of my personal growth was happening around that time. So that fed into it as well. And then just discovery of, of great work, you know, films that were, I was on EastEnders when I first watched The Godfather, you know, when I first watched so many great movies and and great actors who would influence me and 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 then talk about that with the actors I was working with and they'd be like, Oh yeah, great. And then I'd you'd just you'd get deeper into the craft, into into what it takes to be like, you know, at that level. And that never ends. I mean, you know, that's what's the joy of it is that you you meet people with whom you can keep discussing what it is to be a performer and, and what it what it takes. Um, the, it's a constant journey of discovery and one I hope never ends. Who, who are your heroes? Who are the who are the acting guys that uh, you look up to? Again, you know, if if you were if I, when I was a kid, I'd pick posters of John Barnes on the wall. Who are the who are those kind of actors? It's so hard, you know. Like I, when people ask me this, I always go, "Oh man, there's always like three or four that I forget." And I'm like, "How did you?" <laughs> you know, when someone asks you a question, you're like, "Oh, you, you just your mind goes, nah, don't, don't remember anyone." Um, so yeah, <laughs> what I don't need to do. I feel sorry if you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, "How did I not say Gene Hackman?" You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. I'm trying to, Sam Rockwell's the one that. Oh my god! I'm talking around that time when when Moon came out. That was the first time I saw him in anything, and I was like, "He's so good, isn't he?" He's amazing. I just recently saw Fosse Verdon, which was that show he did with Michelle Williams. Yeah, totally passed me by. I don't know how it was on iPlayer. For, I don't know if it's yeah. still on iPlayer actually, but he was fantastic in that. And um, yeah, he's a really great actor. I'd love to see him on stage. Actually, I've not seen him on stage. I'd love to see him. In some of the more, some of his earlier stuff, like is it Welcome to Collingwood? I think he's, mm. he just pops so much in that film. 
Um, and then is it Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, the one that Clooney directed? That was kind of his his real kind of cinema, I think, breakout. And I think there's, I heard him tell a story about how no one wanted him for that role, but Clooney really wanted him, managed to get get him through which is one of those things where you go, I mean, who in their right mind was going no to Sam Rockwell, but that's the game sometimes, I think. Um, I like, you mentioned The Godfather. I mean, Pacino went through the same with The Godfather, didn't he? Yes, he did, yeah, yeah. And you just go, oh, man, that's... They don't always know best at the top. Um, and it's important to have, you know, filmmakers who really can can really push their agenda in that way, you know make sure that they get their person for the role um yeah there's so many great actors and actresses who really inspire me and obviously i'm struggling to <laughs> think of them all now but there's there's so many and and i think that as i say that never ends really you're always you, you can watch something and just like i just finished watching normal people and i just thought they were both Daisy Edgar Jones, I think her name is, and Paul Mescal. And you're just like, oh my God. I just, it was one of those where you go, I don't even know how you did that, but it was incredible. Um, and again, I learned so much just from watching. Well, I must say, in terms of watching a guy pop pop on screen, if, you, if, you'd, if you'd had the audio of my wife and I watching yesterday, <laughs> you'd have, it would have made your head quite big because there's a lot of this guy. <laughs> This guy is incredible. Um, and that also takes us into one of the great, uh, you know, we're talking great filmmakers. I mean, Danny, I, I can't think of, I can't think of many directors in history who were able to effortlessly jump from genre to, you know, the, I mean, he's, it, yeah. just, it, it absolutely boggles my mind. And you know, yes, he's got the Oscar and yes, his back catalogue uh, speaks for itself. But I still don't feel he gets the credit he deserves when you actually go through those films and he can do horror, he can do comedy, he can he can do a thriller, he can break your heart, he can make a a, a film like yesterday. I mean, he's um, he's he's so special, isn't he? He really is, and he's a special man as well. He's a lovely man and such a generous man, and just so infectious with his energy. I mean, when you're on set and and you're doing scene and he he really feels it with you and to the point where you might do something to make him laugh and he'll just laugh, which then you wonder, can you use that take now? I'm not sure. But, <laughs> um, you know, he, he's there with you the whole way. And uh, I mean, there's that the scene in yesterday with Jack and Ellie in Liverpool Lime street station, which is quite an emotional scene. And yeah. Lily did such an amazing job of that scene. And, and I remember once after she'd, you know, we turned around on Lily and we'd done some of her coverage and Danny was, you know, visibly emotional when he came to give her notes, you know. Wow. Because he was feeling it. And that when you're yeah. when you're working with someone like that and you, you know that they're with you 100%, that they're not just using you as a, as a you know, actor in their scene, that they're, they're going on that emotional journey with you, that kind of really makes you want to give them your all. Um, again, it goes back to what we're saying about having the leader at the top but he's a very he's a he's a pragmatist. Of course, you have to be to a certain degree with with um, directing, but he's also a very emotionally open person, and that's really inspiring. He's um, I'm, I'm I'm going to crowbar it back to football here, but 
there's a there's a Bill Shankly video that I love where Shankly talks about enthusiasm being the greatest quality that a, a person can have, and that it, someone has to have enthusiasm. Danny Danny Boyle springs to mind there because his enthusiasm is. Uh, I mean, I've, I've only even met him once. It was on the set of the second Train Spotting movie, but it, it's almost palpable, isn't it? His, his enthusiasm. Yeah, completely, and it comes through in his work completely. Um, the energy with which he moves the camera, you know, the energy with which he tells his stories and cuts them together, and it's all there, and it's all him. You know, it's not an affectation. It's very much, from what I can tell, it's very much who he is. Um, it's someone who, who I think for him, being a director isn't a choice. You know, it's something he has to do because it's how he expresses himself as an artist. And, and that completely comes through in all his work. With, um, with, with, with yesterday, mate, it's so, it's so fr- I, mean, I, I feel I can feel... I feel like I can see virtually every scene in my mind's eye. <laughs> but I just think, you know, some actors will go through their whole career and they, you know, they may look back and think, I never got to, I never got the role where I, I was able to put everything that I've got in my, in my locker onto the screen. And with yesterday, I mean, you just, you were able to showcase just so, so much. I mean, it was, I mean, what a, what a gift you've, you've given us all there. I mean, uh, what are your thoughts now that you look back? You know, because I, I, there's not many roles where someone such as yourself is able to just put it all out there like that. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was, um, it was a gift of a role, really was. It was one of those where I, when it came through, I just, you know, people often talk about when they get a part and they go, I, I always knew that I was going to get it. And I, I, I don't think that was the case because it was such a, it was clearly such a high profile thing that I, for most of the time I was just like, there is not a chance that this is going to go my way. Um, but there was also part of me that was like, I, I really want it to, because I know I can do this. It's scary. It obviously, to get to a point where you're working with someone like Danny and you're working with Richard and, and great actors like Lily and, and Sanj and Miriam and all these amazing people. But when it came to playing that part, I was, I know I've, I know I've got him. Um, because yeah, there was a lot about me that I could bring to the part and uh, stuff that I'd kind of hidden away for a long time, the singing and the, um, that side of performing was was something that I'd I'd kind of locked away for a long time, um, and so it was really a, a real gift to be able to bring that out and build my confidence with it to a certain degree, um, and allow myself to, to be vulnerable in that way. Um, how, how was it? Um, how was it recording at, at Abbey Road as well? I, I uh, so I do a lot of TV warm up. I once <laughs> I never said this on the podcast. I once warmed up for you too at Abbey Road. Wow! Yeah, absolutely. I mean, rid- I mean, ridiculous. Absolutely. Ridiculous. I remember saying to my agent, "I was like, how did we get this?" And he went, "I don't know. Just do it." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, for you to be, uh, I can't say laying down, but because I'm, I'm 41, but for you to <laughs> for you to be laying down, I'll stick with it. Uh, yeah. Beatles tracks at Abbey Road. I mean, that's. I mean, that's not even, I mean, that's beyond wish list, isn't it? 
it really yeah it really was and i'm glad i eventually did get to do it because actually when we when we wrapped on the movie they hadn't yet decided that they were going to bring out a soundtrack album it wasn't something that they'd committed themselves to sure and then the trailer came out um the beginning of 2019 and people went really loopy for the trailer like because it was just there hadn't been any news on what this film was or what the concept was and then people were really um drawn into it so then i think the studio decided that they did want to do a record but of course at that point i was in new zealand and i was going to be in new zealand until april um filming the luminaries yeah and they needed to get going on the album for their you know june release date so they they all my vocals for the record were actually recorded in New Zealand. What? And then I just kept getting videos from all the band having a lot of fun at Abbey Road, um, <laughs> which was slightly heartbreaking. Yeah, um, it was just the way it, just the way it happened. Yeah, it was, there sure. was just no no way around it because yeah, yeah. It, because the amount of hard work that goes into recording an album is you record it and then they spend ages mastering it, you know, and then they've got to produce it and 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 distribute it and all that. So, you know, our hands were tied. There was no way that I was going to be able to go and do all that. So they would record the the bed of the track, uh, Abbey Road, and then they'd... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And over and they Ardem Ilhan, who's a great musician, he was working with me on the film, and then he came over to New Zealand to work on the record. And we worked with this great producer, Alex Wildwood, in in Auckland. And then we work in his studio with the tracks that were sent over from Abbey Road. Um, and actually, it was one of the best things ever. I mean, Alex is a really good friend of mine now, and and we just had the best time recording in this tiny studio in Auckland. Um, and and yeah, but it was slightly heartbreaking not not to get to do that at Abbey Road. But eventually, then I did get to go to Abbey Road and record some some tracks there, and we recorded it on video as well. There's some videos on YouTube of 
of us recording those tracks and that was really special that was that was one of those days where it felt like you were doing something spiritual you know um it was a really special day and i guess one that i'll hold dear for the rest of my life i mean it's really people go to abbey road of course but they don't go to abbey road to record beatles songs most of the time so to get to do that was just it was magical really obviously it was slightly like don't mess this up but but also i had to enjoy it so do you think there is you know that i mean one of the things i love about the film is the fact again i can't i don't want to can't spoil it, but obviously there is a key scene towards the end. Mm. Yes, and obviously what what's that say? What what that is saying is that if that that and that hadn't happened, then maybe that you know again I'm, I'm mm. going to be vague there. So you know, with that in mind, do you think is there something spiritual about about the Beatles, or is it just a, a coincidence that we have to be thankful for? I think there is some. It's funny, really, isn't it? I was asked recently with regards to the luminaries because the luminaries is very much about, you know, fate and yeah. connections, like, you know, astrological connections between people. Um, and my thought on it was, you know, the, the mysticism and that, that kind of the idea of all that is in a way a really elegant form of storytelling. It's a really, um, a powerful form of kind of yeah spiritual sort of connection and they may be coincidences they may you know scientifically speaking it is all just a random series of coincidences that you know john met paul and and then um george of course and then the original drummer left and then ringo came in and then you just somehow ended up with this combination of four people and then george martin and it was it just so happened that these people randomly came together and happened to create the most important band of all time you can look at it that way but i i like the idea of it being some sort of fated thing but of course at the end of the day it happened so whether it was fated or not it happened so you can it, it's just how you choose to look at it um and i think what's amazing is you could you, in the same band you'll have people who who would probably you have probably people who would say oh it was just a coincidence or then you'd have people who'd say no it was there some sort of divine mystical um uh, fate um and that's what's beautiful about that band i think is that they within that band you have so many different ideas and for for that beautiful period of 10 8 10 years they worked together in complete harmony and came out with some of the most important art um you know, that's ever been committed to, to, to record. I think what, what the Beatles mean to me and what they mean to you, I am sh I, I'm, I've every confidence we could fill another 10 podcasts just by <laughs> yeah. talking. I mean, I guess that's why it's so tricky to, for, you know, many great directors have been linked with projects about the Beatles. And it's, it's tricky because there's, there's such a vast body of work there that may, you know, I mean, uh, Paul Anderson had, had been, linked with it at one, at one point maybe he was just going to do a very specific snapshot in time but uh it's why it's so tricky to address i suppose because they're they're almost too big aren't they yeah yeah i mean i remember watching years ago there was a great tv movie about john and yoko chris eccleston played john lennon um 
and Andrew Scott actually. Probably the first time I ever saw Andrew Scott in anything. He played McCartney, which is I wow. think an inspired bit of casting that actually. Um, yeah, I remember watching that and, and and quite enjoying it. But that's really the closest I think people have kind of gone to actually tackling these people. Um, it's a hard one, I think. Especially because, you know, two of them are still with us and you don't wanna you don't wanna necessarily go exploring all of that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really interesting period of time. And I think people will be talking about it for years to come. Um I mean in terms of you know, you you mentioned earlier about how busy you are, but uh I mean this this purple patch you're enjoying I mean, you, you know you're just on the i'm talking to a guy who's just on the the up and up and up i know obviously the the pause button is pressed for all of us right now but um lunar is is you know this is one of the bbc's flagship shows i mean again this is this is a wonderful honor isn't it it really is and i mean when it came through and it was obviously a celebrated novel one man booker and and again, it was one of those roles where I was like, I can do this. There's, there's something about this guy that I can definitely bring something to the table. Uh, but of course, then I was like, but I've got to go to New Zealand for five months. That's going to be exciting, but also scary to be that far from home. Um, but then obviously I did a decent audition and they offered me the part and I thought, well, I've got to. And also to to be able to do another period drama. I did the Aeronauts after after yeah. yesterday and that was a really great thing to be a part of. Not least because it was a period drama, which me as someone South Asian, I wasn't entirely sure how often that was going to come across come across in my career, you know. And then I ended up doing two in a row, um, which is great. So and and roles that were not specific to being anything. And so it was great that the casting directors and the creatives were open to you know, seeing what, what happened and and I ended up being the right person for that role. Um, so it was a real honour to to be asked and then to get to spend that much time in New Zealand as well, which I'd been to New Zealand before, just had a little break around the South Island a few years ago, then to go back and dive into this story, which is very much about New Zealand's history, a very interesting time in New Zealand's history. Um, which is obviously about the gold rush, but also elements of colonial history, which is really interesting. Um, and to tell this story with Eleanor Catton, who wrote the novel and adapted this herself. Yeah. So to be working with Eleanor and and help her bring her own vision to life, you know, it was really fantastic. Um, and I've, I love New Zealand. It's such a great country. And it, it, it's important. Um, and I salute the BBC for for making these sorts of shows. Like I was chatting with uh, Rosamond Pike a, a, a few weeks ago, and she said it's important to make challenging pieces. And I know that, there's a, that these are expensive shows, but these are these are important shows. These are the shows that uh, stand the test of time and will will hold up to rewatching. I mean, it's. Um, it is vitally important that that big epic productions are made like this, isn't it? It is an epic productions that that also challenge um, challenge the viewer to go on a on a slightly more complex journey, which I think 
is definitely the case with the luminaries. It, it's it's got its kind of complexities, and that's what what I find so fascinating about it. It doesn't go down the route that you'd expect it to go down. There's a lot of complication along the way. There's a lot of um, good intentions that don't necessarily lead you to the right place. I think we're talking about my character Emery specifically. There's some decisions that he makes that don't necessarily turn out for the best. And that is a really interesting story to me. It's not one that has black and white. It has a lot of grey. Um, and I think it's really brilliant the way that Eleanor has crafted her story, not once but twice now. Um, and the way that she's adapted her own story, you know, you'd imagine an author to be quite um, possessive of their own of course, yeah. story, especially when it's a celebrated story. And, you know, not only did it win the Man Booker, but New Zealanders are really proud of that story and, and that novel. And so, you know, you'd imagine that she would be someone who, who wanted to hold on to it tightly, but she was she was the one who quite clearly decided to tell her story from a completely different perspective and and a really brilliant way of adapting her novel i think um people will be will not be disappointed people who know the novel won't be disappointed what what can you share with us in terms of the um i mean you touched on it earlier but the, the more the more challenging aspects in terms of the uh astrological um element well those who know the novel know that it's very clearly structured by the waxing and waning of the moon. So each chapter, they kind of are a certain length depending on the kind of phases of the moon. So there's that structure and each character is representative of an astrological body and how those astrological bodies move in the night sky. This is something that Eleanor had very clearly studied and had mapped out her story meticulously. And so, Though she deconstructed her the form of her story, those things had to stay in sync. And so as actors, we had to be very aware of where our characters were in relation to each other and relation to time, because the story is told in two different time periods, which may eventually converge. But at the beginning, we're with Anna, the lead character played by Eve Hewson, and she's at one period of her life and then we cut to her just arriving in New Zealand meeting my character Emery and and then we kind of switch between these two time frames and and if answers eventually appear um but of course I know that it was a complex one for for Eve to to navigate herself um because being the central character, she's in practically every scene, and and she had a lot of. I think she had like a wall up uh, in her house that was like one of those, you know, when a uh, detectives like trying to figure out where a criminal is in a, in a show, <laughs> string attached from one end of the wall to another, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so there's a lot of that that you have to bear in mind when it comes to that. But actually, I think <clears throat> I was well trained in that from my days on EastEnders because. On EastEnders, you're, in one day you can film your character in three separate weeks of the show. So, you know, you really have to be aware of of where you are. And so sure. it's, um, it's something I was prepared for, I think. Is there, um, 
is there anything that's completed that you that will be coming out while we're in lockdown um apart from the luminaries no and also i mean the luminaries is coming out at a certain point i imagine we'll be in some form of lockdown but whether it's as it is now as we're talking i'm not sure but um i've got a, a part in christopher nolan's next new movie um Next I, I was, new movie. I, think. I was scared um, to ask you. See, you Christopher Nolan might be my favourite director ever. I don't say that lightly. Interstellar. Yeah. I, I rewatched the Batman movies over and over. I mean, I've got you can. Batman's in the yeah. corner. Character means a, 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 a. I still read the graphic novels. Now. I mean, I could. No, I'm such a huge fan of. of I was so scared to ask you about it because I'm also mindful how shrouded in secrecy these these projects are. Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you absolutely nothing about the film. Yeah, yeah thank you, no, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully, eventually, we'll all get to watch that one. It's um, it was a special one to be a part of, and yeah, special to work with with Chris and and his team because, uh, like you, I've admired their work for years, and I think his films. You, you know, you have a generation who talk about. Star Wars and those kind of films being the most important things for them and for me, it was definitely, I think, his films were huge for me towards the end of my teens and through my teens. I remember going to watch Batman Begins with my dad and just being like, what did I just watch? I mean, it's what an incredible take on 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 the superhero genre. And then, of course, somehow topped it with The Dark Knight. I remember watching The Dark Knight and it ending and it was the first time I can remember watching a movie and my mouth was open at the end, you know, because of everything was just so great about that film. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a real honor to work with him and, and hopefully we'll get to watch that movie soon. How were, uh, how did that one, how did that one come about with, with Nolan? I was just an audition came through from my agent. Um, and I, I, duly auditioned um <laughs> not one that you go hmm, should i i'm not sure um <laughs> is, is this gonna help my career yeah. <laughs> yeah what's it saying there really um so i uh i definitely went it's a lateral move <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i said yeah it's, i'm moving sideways nothing's <laughs> come on um no of course i i duly auditioned and and then eventually found out um, I think I was in Oxford Circus actually when I found out. And then I remember, you know, you get a call from your agents to just kind of like, Hey, look, great news. And then I, obviously then they were like, okay, so this is how it's going to work. And these are the timings. And I just remember, I think I was just constantly just doing a circle around Oxford Circus because I couldn't quite no. believe what I was hearing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, uh, it was great. Do, do, you, is there a, do you have a favorite Nolan moments in a, in a movie? Oh, man, the, the, there's one that I'll play. I've got a four-year-old, and I will play. <laughs> the line that gets me every time is, uh, "It's Michael Caine's never." Yeah, you yes. haven't given up on me, Alfred. Never. Yes, that's a good one. Actually, I one that came to mind very recently for me because I was at the beginning of the year I was in Chicago filming, and we were filming um, in Lower Wacker, which is those tunnels that people will know from the dark night, which is where the, there's that big chase with the bat, uh, 
the Batmobile, the Tumblr, as yeah. it's called, and the the lorry. And uh, there's that wonderful moment where the Joker pulls out a bazooka, and the one of the police guys is like, "What is that? Is that a bazooka?" <laughs> <laughs> It's those moments of humour as well in those films because people often go, oh, they're so dark and they're so... But I think there's some really hilarious moments in there as well, like that. Um, so I was, I kept thinking of that every time I'd, I'd go from my uh, flat to, to, to set would often be going down Lower Wacker and I'd just obviously be thinking about those scenes quite a lot. Um, I, I know you've been stupendously uh, generous with your time, but g- giving your support, Spurs, I, I feel like I'd be missing a trick if I didn't ask. Do, do you envisage the football coming back? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So, as a, I'm, a, I'm a Crystal Palace fan. As a, as a the selfish child in me wants the football back, but then when when I think about it, I just I just don't I don't know how you make it work so as a Spurs fan I would love to know your thoughts <laughs> as a Spurs fan I'm currently okay with football not continuing because things weren't <laughs> going well um, <laughs> things weren't going well um, but of course yeah it's such a huge part of, of a lot of people's lives um, but ultimately you know at the moment nothing is more important than keeping people safe and a stadium full of people is not going to help. Um, and I, I really, I don't know how it could work um, in terms of guaranteeing people's safety. You know, um, if they could find a way, of, obviously behind closed doors, I think they just said yesterday that the Bundesliga is going to start again in Germany. So maybe they've found a way, but um yeah, it's it's difficult to see how, uh, and I, I, it's just a decision as whether they somehow find a way of, you know, mathematically or otherwise finishing the season. Um, but it's really, um, it's a really strange situation. I think um, people want answers, but I think it, it, there must be, so, and I'll tell you why there's so many people behind the scenes definitely working on this because the amount of money that's on the oh. line at the moment <laughs> that'll make people, um, you know, work very hard to find a solution. So I'm sure they are trying to. Um, but I keep joking with my friends who are Spurs fans, just like this, because obviously this was the season that Amazon chose to make a documentary about Spurs. And you just go, it's going to be like a horror movie. It's going to be an absolute disaster of the, of the series, you know, whereas the Manchester City one was like, look at this club, look how much yeah. money they've got. Look, yeah. they're just winning everything. Yeah. Aren't they great? The Spurs one's going to be like, well, here's the other side of that coin. You know, it's <laughs> the best manager they ever had. Let's fire him. Um, and, and then let's take it from there. It's going to be awful. <laughs> the, the Manchester City documentary, that was your ice cream Sunday, and now enjoy this liver and kidney <laughs> yeah. as we watch poor yeah. old Spurs struggle through. Um, be, be, before you go, may I ask, what do you do? And I, I know it's different in the in these circumstances, but what, what do you do for, for balance, especially given uh, the way things have gone in recent years? I... Um... I love watching films, you know, that, that, and I love going to the cinema. So that's something that I'm really missing, but I'm lucky enough to, you know, 
have a home in which I can sit and watch movies. Um, but um, I love I love stories, be them fiction, nonfiction. You know, and I, I love discovering those sorts of things. And of late, actually, I'm finally getting into exercise. <laughs> That's been I'm doing couch to five k at the moment. Which is quite funny because I've had a, a couple of people nominate me for that 5K thing that people yeah. have been doing. And I've just been like, just give me a couple of weeks and I'll get to 5K. I'm getting there. <laughs> but I, that's, something that's amazing. Yeah, it's fun. It's something I've not, I've never really been a runner. So it's something that I've challenged myself to do and I'm, I'm getting on with that. So that's been really, you realize why people talk about that as being something that helps the, the their mental health as well. Because um there's an element of pushing yourself and knowing that you can get past that point and and believing in yourself to do that um which you can then feed into various other parts of your life so um that's kind of helping me through this at the moment i think it's uh, and maybe it's a creative thing as well but creating stuff <laughs> like baking <laughs> like everyone else in england seems to have gone into but for me it's also an element of if i just create something I can be proud of that, you know. Um, trying to get back to that uh, is something that I'm working on, which eventually might lead to writing something. I don't know. But we'll see. Do, do you feel um, Do you feel better for it for the running? Do you feel that in, that endorphin high? Definitely, especially when you get past those points. Like I went, I did one today, and I'm at that point where it's like ten minute run with like a barely any break in between, and then another ten minute run. And, you know, halfway through that second run, I was like, I, you get to the point where you're slowing down that you might stop, but I didn't. And it was nice to get past that point of, I didn't stop. I pushed past that, those moments where I, I, before I would have given up, you know. Um, and it's getting past those points that I think are really, it's a, it's a nice thing mentally to, to, to feel those moments and know that you can push past them, you know. Have you, one last question, I've done the Colombo thing of one more thing and then kept it going for another half an hour. Yeah, it's all good. Have you, uh, is there a movie that you've seen recently that you would recommend to our listeners? Oh, what did I watch recently? This is so, again, it's like the same thing. It's like actors that you look up to, any films? You, i tell you what I rewatched. I rewatched recently my favourite films, which are Richard Linklater's Before movies. Oh my God, yeah. They are, yeah, they're, they're like my three, package them together and it's like my favourite movie. I mean, beautiful, beautiful films. And it was just a lovely reminder to me how beautiful they are to sit and watch them. Um, you know, I've kind of, over the last seven years since the last one came out, that's when I first discovered them. And so I've watched them at various points over the last seven years as life has changed and they mean something new every time, which is, I think a lot of the best films and a lot of the best art kind of, it grows with you somehow, you know, it, it means something different when you listen to it again or watch it again. So true. Um, would, would that be a wishlist director link later? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's so innovative with what he does, you know, with filmmaking. I think he's, he's doing a film at the moment that we're not going to watch for like 20 years or something. Seriously. Yeah, so he, obviously he did 12 years with Boyhood, but I think he's doing a film, I think I read recently, he's doing a film where it's, he's, yeah, he's filming it over 
a really long period of time anyway um which is fascinating just like good for him i mean boy the commitment yeah it really is yeah yeah uh Imesh, I, I i cannot thank you enough as i say thank i, I got over my initial shock of seeing you on my computer rather than the television so uh <laughs> thank you so thank you so much and uh bless you pleasure thank you take care thank you so much bye 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 Huge thanks to the uh, the wonderfully talented and the his niceness really shines through, doesn't it? You can tell he's a good dude. Uh, and his new show, The Luminaries, it's a six-parter and it starts this coming Sunday. Sunday, the 21st of June at 9pm on BBC One. Episode two. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm reporting, I'm saying this like I'm reporting... Uh, from some sort of political coup live. But uh, episode two is the night after. Monday the 22nd of June. I'm glad I checked. At 9pm. And then the six part series continues on Sunday nights thereafter. Uh, and then the full series is then available. Ah, on iPlayer. Immediately after the first episode airs. Clever lockdown thinking. Uh, sounds like they had a nice time in New Zealand filming it. I digress. Uh, as ever, spread the word. Tell your friend. Oh, you've no idea what a, a huge difference it makes uh, when you share the episode. So we are at Balance LDN across all the socials. And I am at James Gill Comedy. Huge thanks to Himesh and huge thanks to the people who uh, who made it possible. Really grateful for uh, for your work. Thank you. Um, I don't say it enough. Sorry, I went. that was full partridge at the... <laughs> Uh, anyway, huge thanks again to Himesh. What a lovely guy. And I hope when this is all over, I get to uh, thank him personally. Uh, and, and I hope you, you I hope you guys are, are all okay. Uh, global panny deer side. I really mean that. If you want to drop me a line, podcast at balance.media. Uh, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.